Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Yeah, here they are. Uh, we will start with Steve Harmon, who is the outgoing chairman of the BHA, but he is about to take up a new role, which is very similar, which is working with government. And he's saying racing needs to do more, uh, Cornelius, to help itself in terms of the support that it gets from government. It needs to be more proactive. Yeah, it, st it strikes me it is reasonably proactive and it's quite good at it. Um, but, uh, you know, one doesn't want to go on about these little things that are going wrong on a regular basis. But uh, if you want to be taken really seriously, incidents like Andrea Atzini, like Nottingham, like Yarmouth, and, and there would be, there's, there's a long list of, uh, of other examples, you know, that they have got to be eradicated because they, they look amateur uh, when, when things are going wrong like this. But in terms of dealing with government, in, de in terms of the, with a small p, the politics yeah. of racing, the British Horse Racing Authority is really good at it. But the nitty-gritty, the, the detail... Uh, the devil's in the detail. The detail is something that they need to work harder on. Very quick example from Sedgefield last week when uh, Sean Quinlan uh, didn't jump that uh, fence. Uh, you know, is there a rule saying that once a fence is out, it can't come back in or isn't there? No one actually knew on the day. I think the answer is there isn't a rule which, which is specific about this. Well, there's a rules committee with some very eminent people on it. You know, they, they need to just get, get a grip, I think. I just I, I would agree that um, Steve's done a fantastic job in the uh, corridors of Westminster. I think that the BHA sadly has too many people in it who have no idea about the sport. Really? Um, I think the board has been made. His board was made up of far too many happy hackers and not enough people who actually knew about the sport. And uh, I think that is. It all, it all trickles down from the top, as ever, and I don't think that... Uh, I, I think his board wasn't fit for, fit for purpose in that sense, as far as the running of the sport was concerned. And the irony is that his appointed board has outlived him in the job. Yeah, um, you know, it, the, the problems that were happened came about as a result of his board. Right, let's... Oh, no, it's here again. <laughs> I thought it had gone. Fob tees. I thought they'd gone. Yeah. Or mistake. What's, what's happening with the fixed-house betting well, terminal situation, I, Neil? I guess what's happening is that uh, the Chancellor's decided he, he fancies a couple more years of the revenue uh, from these things. And obviously, uh, you know, there's a, a strong bookmaker lobby to say uh, that we're going to lose a lot of betting shops uh, when, when they do go and that maybe we need a, a, a greater sort of... Uh, Transitionary period, if we if we can say those words without <laughs> conjuring up other uh, political <laughs> ideas. Um, I mean, I, I, I think it's sad. I think I, I think Caroline Harris and the people at the Campaign for Fairer Gambling have uh, have done amazing work, and I think possibly uh, everyone celebrated slightly too soon, and the, the, it was assumed that it would all happen quickly. Uh, one thing I, I, I have been talking to somebody about recently, and I, this is just probably. Uh, Hearsay and not, I don't know, I haven't got any science behind this. But you know, I do spend a bit of time in betting shops, and uh, people seem to spend less time playing roulette on the machines now and more time playing the kind of uh, you know, fruit machine kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, and you know, it's the roulette where you want to play, you know, that's where people were getting into trouble playing 200 pounds a spin. You know, if you're doing the kind of five melons and, you know, it crosses and all so, that So kind what of you're stuff, saying is the messaging is getting through, do you think? I don't know. I, what I, no, what I am saying, I think, is that if, if, the, if it came down to two pounds, 
uh, people would still play the machines. They'd just maybe not play the roulette as much and they'd play uh, the slot machine games uh, a little bit more and maybe not as many betting shops as we think would close and therefore uh, the funding for racing wouldn't be damaged as much as people might originally think. But of course, you know, the number of betting shops is coming down also because of, uh, you know, just the way people are changing. People bet online more often. Let's talk about ticket touts at Cheltenham. It's not the most exciting story in the world, Cornelius, I but think it's, it's a quite... significant one, is uh, it? Well, I suspect it is, because not just for, for racing, but for sport and music as a whole. I think there are uh, chief executives in other sports and music moguls and etc., uh, etc., et all looking at this with great interest. Mm. I, I don't... I didn't entirely... Well, there was a figure in there which I would like, like to have had explained, that this is cost, ticket tax are costing the jockey club a million pounds a year. I couldn't quite work out how that could be a million pounds. It seemed a very big figure. And, and looking at the, the, the problem is that it's the selling of cardboard fakes... Uh, which mm-hmm. I suppose that would cost because they're not spending, uh, the, the, the punter isn't spending, the race goer isn't spending money on buying an actual ticket to give to the, to the jockey club and other race courses to, to go in. But um, I, I would have liked that particular um, uh, figure explained. I thought more striking was a letter in the Racing Post today uh, about, uh, and a guy said that uh, he wants to go to Aintree next year and he's on, so he had some special offer. So he went in on the morning that these became available, and there was nothing available at all. Uh, and uh, presumably they'd been bought up to be um, sold by agencies. Now, that's different to this particular yes. uh, point, but it, it struck me as being an even bigger potential issue. That's, I mean, th- th- that kind of is amazing, though, really, because, you know, I mean, horse racing is a fairly, uh, you know, capitalist venture. You would sort of think that if the price of tickets is clearly too cheap, they sell out in 20 minutes for Aintree. Uh, well, you know, they could just put the prices up, couldn't they? And, yeah, uh, I'm not sure that would stop the agencies buying them, though, and still selling I, one at even more inflated prices. Well, possibly. But, I mean, you know, like when they're sort of... I was like you. I was like, what the hell is this figure all about? How is it costing them a million? I, don't, I can't see what that does. But, you know, they could ramp the prices... I mean, you know, whatever. Obviously, <laughs> that sounds terrible. I mean, they could ramp the prices right you, up and cut the touts out of it. Are you now Momentum's champion of the free market, Neil Channing? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I just... I wonder sometimes in, in racing... The free market seems fine sometimes and not so fine other times. Quick footnote to all that. I remember when Cheltenham first had touts and the executives there were really quite pleased because they felt they'd arrived. Because <laughs> they there were actually people uh, touting outside. That was some, year, some years ago before the current regime. I know the bell's gone, but ticket touting's not actually illegal, is it? I mean, it's well, like it's a, a gray, local isn't it a gray bylaw isn't it a gray and stuff area? that they don't want to block the public. But this could be a test case for... Selling cardboard um, fake badges if could be fraud. That's fraud. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on and talk about a, a really important subject, and, and, and we're going to be talking about it a little bit later on as well with our next guest. Um, equine welfare, we talked a bit about it last week, Rafe, in, in terms of the debate that had happened in Parliament, um, and there's been more debate. Tom Kerr wrote a piece about it in the, in the Racing Post yesterday. To what extent does racing need to move and to shift its positions in order to, uh, to adapt to the changing world in which we live and to what extent do we have to be to be robust and hold our ground and say we're doing a great job you lot stay away i think we need to i I definitely would be a fan of the latter you know i I don't think appeasement is any way forward at all i think we need to educate people as to what as to what welfare is as opposed to what they perceive it to be and um i think we need to stand firm and say this is the way it works and 
we're not asking you to like it, but um, we have plenty of uh, procedures in place and we're not changing, would be my view. But presumably, Cornelius, we have to show that we are working to reduce fatalities. We have to show that we have a commitment to equine welfare that exceeds what we necessarily have done before, don't we? Yeah, we've or do we be, just maintain the standard we've got? We've got to be very realistic about it. And look, look what has been achieved at Aintree. I think the Aintree story of the last, uh, since 2012, has been an astonishing one because the race was under serious mm. pressure to have had mm. two high-profile fatalities, two years running. And I remember seeing Peter Dowsbury, the, the chairman of Aintree, and he was leaning against a rail outside the weighing room, sort of staring across uh, the winner's enclosure. This was after the, 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 second of, uh, those, the second day of those incidents. And I said, you know, f Penny, for your thoughts or whatever. And he said, you know, what, what are yours? And I said, you know, things have got to change because, you know, we, we need... Racing needs this race. We need this race in order to go forward. So they were very realistic. Uh, and the pendulum of, uh, of questioning has swung rather towards, towards Cheltenham these days. And Cheltenham needs to be, and the Jockey Club needs to be realistic. And that Cheltenham review is about to be published as to what they're going to do after the fatalities at last year's festival. And that's something we'll be talking about on the programme during the course of the next, uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will talk more about that later in the programme with Philippa Cooper. But first of all, I want to talk about Jason Watson because it was 100 wins for the calendar year this week. He's champion apprentice already. Cornelius has sung his praises. Neil sung his praises from a punter's point of view. Would you like to sing his praises, Rafe? Or are we pumping him up too much too soon? I think there's a danger of that, you know. History is littered with champion apprentices who didn't go on. Um, I'm sure we can all think of them off the top of my head, of Salim Golam and the like. Mm -hmm. I know they didn't ride as many winners as Jason has, Steve Davis. There's plenty down the years. Every decade had two or three. And, uh, yeah, it's a concern. I think, I think he's, you know, he's sat on a couple for me and I think he's very good. Uh, do I think he's the next Ryan Moore? No, I don't. Not yet. But um, he's clearly going to make a living. And that's, that's uh, if things go right for him. And that's to be applauded. Where he goes from here, that's going to be tough for him. And uh, he's going to, I would encourage him to be very busy this winter. Mm. Um, uh, I think... Uh, I think he's going to Dubai, isn't he, this winter? Yeah. Where and given that he's ridden quite a bit for Godolphin, I'd say mm. he'd get plenty of rides. You, yeah. you raise your eyebrows as though you think that's not well, a great idea. floating around Dubai, riding twice a week, I don't think it does them any good. You know, I think he would be Prefer much... Firm in America? I, no, equally. Yeah. Standing right. around a, a, think, a, a gap there, slapping, slapping, slapping his boots. Building a lot of relations with a lot Absolutely. of different trainers. Right like here on the all weather. Get yeah. himself Absolutely. sorted for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Riding Dubai. Let me, let me ask you a question, because... You know, there's always this, you get a good condition on, there's a big scramble to use them when they've got five pounds left mm. or three pounds left. And, uh, you know, sometimes with Andrew Boarding, he would kind of limit them and not let mm. other trainers use them mm. and stuff like that. Does that, but that, surely that tells you that the allowance is too high uh, and maybe, you know, dropping to zero is too much of a drop because of the people you've said who have not really gone on. What, should it, is there a case for sort of saying it should be four pounds, two pounds and one pound and when they're not a conditional... They still get a pound for a year or something like Th that. There's probably a case for that. You know, yeah, but I think you know th they still get nearly 50 winners carrying three pounds. Mm. You know, yeah. and that's quite a that's that's mm. that's a significant amount of time. 
Right. Um, so I, I do think very quickly that having the Baldings as a mentor, they have produced. So their champion well, apprentices Buick, include William Probert, Buick and David Probert, and who have gone Murphy. on. And, and Asheen Murphy. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have the, the whole Kingsley operation as a mentor won't do him any harm at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Uh, Jason Watson, 102, I think it is, winners in this calendar year, having started the year with just two. Uh, icing, just in case you're wondering what this is, a horse was withdrawn at Kempton. Uh, relatively new uh, uh, BHA rule. Uh, you are not allowed to ice a horse's legs at the race course. Horses John Butler's with, with withdrawn in the paddock. Um, do you agree with that, Rafe? No. I think it's, you know... I think it could be much... You know, you could have a, you could, there's no, and there's nothing to stop a horse being iced up until an hour, a couple of hours before the race. There was an awful lot, we had an awful lot of discussion about this at the time when it, when it was, uh, when it was brought up by uh, David Sykes, the, the BHA vet earlier this year. And I don't think any of us were happy with what, what was agreed. Um, uh, and I don't see the the need for it. I, as far as I can, I'm concerned, you know, we have this rule: you can't give anything other than hay, oats, and water uh, um, uh, to horses to horses on race day. Since the Nicky Henderson and, and uh, David Flood incidents a few years back, um, I agree with that. Icing horses is different. I think you could easily say this you could, for be, those who those who don't understand, it's, it's applying an ice compress essentially to a horse's yeah, to a horse's leg, to a horse's tendon. Exactly. I mean, you could quite easily say you can have it up until two hours before the horse runs. You know, you could bring it in something like that. And I don't think this is a satisfactory um, in, uh, rule at all. It was pointed out to me that if you train in Newmarket, you're running at Newmarket. You could ice until about an hour before the race and then wander it down the road. But if you've got to travel all the way to Newbury from Newmarket you, you, or all the way to Scotland or wherever, you, you can't. Mm. Or do it overnight. Could you not, though, do it on, uh, during transport anyway? So. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, we get into all the realms of what used to go on in days past um, because of horses being stable close to the race course. But that's another... Whole nest of oh, come on, we've got 13 <laughs> seconds left. Come on, I want to yeah, hear this. Nest you know what, I feel like extending this one beyond the first few seconds. No, Ray, do you... The floor is yours. Ignore the wow. clock. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, um, you know, nobody... There has, there has been... I don't think it goes on now, but there was a lot of stuff that was going on on race day in years gone by. That uh, that's that's been stamped out, and uh, we alluded to the two instances that brought brought about the current rule, where we're only allowed hay, oats, and water on race day. Um, listen, this I got myself into trouble, or not in trouble. I got a lot of flack a year or two ago about about uh, what was going on um, Australian horses, and uh, I think there was. You know, it's generally felt that there was a lot of stuff going on through the 90s and later that um, no longer goes on now. You mean administration of illegal drugs, basically? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, now retired jump trainer told me that what that uh, that uh, he was milkshaking horses in the 90s, for example. And just for the avoidance of, of doubt, milkshaking is when you put a tube down the horse, uh, down the horse uh, straight down, down into the stomach with a, a, a solution of bicarbonate of soda to uh, neutralise the excess yeah. uh, lactic acid. Yeah, they, they were, you know, they were testing for it. At the time, it was, you know, it probably wasn't even thought to be illegal, you know. So it was going on, and um, the sport was no better for it.
But you think that's all been stamped out now? I hope so. I hope so. But you couldn't be confident? No, I mean, I think, you know, we had instance, you know, obviously Jared Butler and the other stuff that was going on at the time. Everybody outside the new market was extremely unhappy. You've um, set a record for exceeding the belt. I'm <laughs> perfectly happy to allow you to do that. Um, we move seamlessly on to, to Newcastle, where... Uh, this reads a like a Dick Francis novel. Well, I mean, where a horse has been essentially got at, allegedly, by the sounds of it, and two staff have been suspended. The interesting thing about your use of the, the expression got at is normally when people in the media um, speculate about something of that sort... Mm. Uh, they, they get a call from the British Horse Racing Authority saying we don't think you ought to be speculating no. along those. But my understanding is that even if people haven't been getting calls saying you should speculate, they, are, they haven't been getting calls saying you shouldn't speculate, if that makes sense. We so, should credit Marcus Armitage for breaking this story in the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. And we should also credit journalists who've elicited quotes from Mick Easterby where he said the words got at. Yeah. And um, uh, absolutely, David it was a Daily, Daily Telegraph I- I- exclusive this week. But some of, some of the stories that one's heard, um, uh, the, 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 the strike, which, which links it possibly into serious crime as well, that, uh, you know, that, that one or two other favourites have run but in, in um, suspect ways at Newcastle. Uh, the one thing that's striking, though, is uh, you've got ARC, who are an extremely good racecourse management group. You've got the British Horse Racing Authority, who are vigilant. And nobody's gone to the police yet, because you are actually... If, if some of the rumours that you hear swirling around are correct, then the police should be involved. Mm. Well, uh, police's record on, on matters like this in the past has not been exemplary, has it? No, but, um, but it's never been, never been tested in the northeast of England before. It might be different. Yep. Um, but but the, there's no su- um, su- um, suggestion that the police are going to be involved. But some of the stories that are whirling around racecourses, and let's be honest, uh, some, some fairly strange stories do whirl around racecourses, have been fairly, uh, been fairly uh, um, eyebrow-raising. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's more to come on this. What's interesting about this is, is that I can't remember what, what day it, 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 it happened, but I think it was, it was the last day of the Western meeting. Or it was or the Thursday or the Friday. Thursday or something. It was all around the race course at air that Mick Easterby yeah. had a large treble going on to a runner at Newcastle mm-hmm. that night. And he was telling all, everybody, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, you know. And he, and, uh, and I he, feel very sorry for them, clearly. Yeah. Those were this week's talking points. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai.